Hey lovelies, before we get started, I wanted to remind you that I send out perks to the lovelies who sign up for email updates. Once a month, there's a special code that only gets sent to my email subscribers. It's on one item and the code is valid for one week. In the past, lovelies on that list have gotten bestsellers like the hug dress for 40% off or $20 off new items like the most perfect pleated skirt. It's my way of thanking the lovelies who are really committed. And don't worry, I have no time to create spam email. I'll only send you the good stuff. The next Lovely Perk email is going out on March 8th. That's one week from today. Then a week after that, on March 15th, please, dear God, if everything goes according to plan, New Spring Styles will be live. And email subscribers always get first dibs to those. Sign up at impactfashionnyc.com, either at the pop-up or by scrolling all the way to the bottom of any page. You'll also find a sign-up link in the show notes. Access those by swiping up on the cover art. I also wanted to take a minute to congratulate Racheli Goldberg on winning a $100 gift card to ImpactFashionNYC.com, courtesy of Schmoozy. Remember, you can listen to all of my episodes and join the discussion boards on Schmoozy for a little bit more than what you're getting now. Enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifki Itzkowitz, and on today's show, I talk with the head of global nonprofit Life Fest Inside about a promise she made to herself at 15. She shares how she created the viral video that got Life Fest Inside off the ground, why we tend to put dreams on a pedestal, and her new project, Abraham's Legacy, an app that's revolutionizing the way we pray. Orly Waba is a powerhouse. You feel the energy radiate from her immediately when you sit down to talk. But like most people who seem to just have power, Orly's is well earned. This conversation is a lesson on how to channel tragedy into positive action and how we can all reach a little higher in our lives. I've got to tell you, I was definitely, the word to define me would be a, a dreamer. That was definitely me. From a young age, I mean, as young as four years old, I was that kid that dreamed of changing the world. And when you're a little kid talking about changing the world, people look at you like you're nuts. I used to sneak into my brother's room, I'll never forget, and I used to put on the song, Heal the World by Michael Jackson. I love that song. And everyone used to make fun of me. Orly, you th- what are you thinking? You're gonna change the world? Do you think you're gonna make any difference? But that was definitely, definitely me. Always believing that there's something that I was meant to do to bring people together. I never understood from a young age why animosity existed in the world between people of different races or religions or ethnicities, like why it actually existed. And I very much felt that, that I was meant to do something to bring people together. I didn't know how and I didn't know what, but one thing I did know is I knew my why. Um, now, while that is all true, I was also a very shy kid, even though I was a bit of a troublemaker as a little kid, my, you know, my family tells me stories. I used to make my mom cry and go crazy. I said, okay, I'm making up for more than enough now, aren't I? So she said, yes, yes, you are. But I was a very, actually, I was a very, very shy kid, especially in my, in my adolescent years. And that, that came about due to, to various hardships that we go through, uh, you know, as we're, as we're coming into our own and coming into ourselves. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because one of the, if I had to pick like one thing that all of my guests have in common, I want to say probably about 90 to 98% of the people that I interview say that they were shy as kids and you would, and you wouldn't think it. Yeah. It's, it's very shy, very introverted. Um, And I think it's because there's like a level of of thought that happens there when you're kind of in your own space and you, and really it's also just 
because we also just have this huge misconception around shy people. We think that there's like, that they're just kind of keeping to themselves and don't want to have impacts on the world. And that's just not true. It's just not, it's just not how people are. It's our ability. I mean, the truth is it's really finding your voice. I think that that's what it is. You know, I had in my heart, all of these dreams and all these goals that I wanted to be able to express, but I didn't know how to actually get them from in my heart to actually being able to come out. And, you know, I think we all go through our experiences where we then uh, get to a point where we feel comfortable in our own skin or we build up that confidence to be able to share our voice and that was definitely the case for me so what what was it that allowed you to find your voice what what did you do to what happened that made you you know find that confidence so I'll tell you I know it's going to sound really crazy when I tell you what it was because it actually stemmed from a very very difficult experience in my life but I I'm a very big believer that everything happens for a reason and I also am a very big believer that when we are at our lowest we're also at our highest potential, our highest potential to tap into who we really are, something that pushes us to to unleash something within us that we never would have been able to tap into otherwise. And I would say it came about in my my adolescent years when I was 15 years old, I was a sophomore in high school. And at the time, it didn't feel so good, I'll tell you that much. But hindsight, as they say, is 2020, right? So there I was, this really shy kid, very, very insecure, I was always, I always loved people. You know what I'm saying? I always loved people. I was that kid, you know, whether we hung in the same crew or not, I was the kid that if you were absent from school, I would, you know, take notes for you and bring it to you the next day. But in my, in the beginning of my sophomore year, there was a tragedy that happened in my house. We had a fire in my house and overnight, my family lost absolutely everything. We were okay. I'm one of five kids, but it does something to you when you're, your home, you know, that place that you run to to get away from all the craziness in the world, that that safety zone, when it goes up in flames and suddenly, in a sense, it feels like you're erased. All those memories in terms of your, you know, your your childhood pictures and, and videos. And it's like, wow, I could be gone and nobody would even know that I was here in this world. But it wasn't just the fire. It was one of those years, I know, which I know is not difficult for us to understand coming off of a 2020 year. One of those years where you said, okay, it can't get worse. I mean, come on, it can't get worse than this. And then another thing happened and another thing happened. It continued to ripple out of control. My dad had lost his business. I only found out some years ago that the situation was so bad that there were days they didn't even know how they were going to put food on the table. I mean, <sighs> I got to tell you, my family, we were moving around for six years, okay, until we lived on the same roof. I mean, I was a junior in, in college when I lived back with my family all under the same roof. Six years. But that first year, that first year was the hardest. I mean, it does something to you when you see your parents break down, you know? Yeah, that's really And that's I remember really seeing rough. them the next morning, next morning after the fire, and like, they didn't know I saw them, but seeing them cry, I, it just, it, it crushed me. And the last thing I wanted was to be a burden on them, was to give them another thing to have to worry about. So I kept my emotions hidden from them. And my friends, they didn't know what to say to me. I mean, they're 15 years old. They're going through their own stuff, you know? They didn't know what to say to me either. They just tried to change the subject. But all I needed was just to talk to somebody. So I kept my emotions hidden from them. But you know what? You can't do that for very long before it eats you up from the inside out. And one night, I so I went to bed, and I just didn't wake up the next morning. I fell into a state of really dark depression. And when I say dark, I mean suicidal dark. I was angry at the whole entire world. I was angry at my family, my friends, myself. I was angry at God 
But the truth is, Hashem was the only one I was actually talking to. I was angry, but he was the only one I was talking. I was screaming, but he was the only one I was talking to. And I never felt more alone in my life. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't just the fire. You know, I was home from school for several months. Several months. And during that time, not one kid came to visit. Not one person called to see if I was okay. And that made me feel like, well, if I, if I wasn't here tomorrow, would it make a difference to anybody? I mean, would it even matter? And it felt like, felt like the answer was no. And that hurt me more than anything. And I just wanted the pain to end. I, I, I just didn't want to continue. And after several months, I was, you know, forced to go back to school. But I wasn't the same kid. I was that kid in the corner. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't care about my grades. I didn't care about anything. I let everything fall. It just didn't seem like it mattered. And I also didn't trust that anybody cared about me. So somebody would come up to me, ask me if I was okay. And I'd, you know, put on this tough exterior. Hey, I'm good, I'm good. But inside, I just kept saying, please, please ask me again. And they wouldn't. they walk away. And I'd say, you see, people don't really care. And one uh, not so very special morning, as I woke up to get ready to go to school, I'll never forget this morning, I was in the bathroom and I was looking at myself in the mirror. I was like really looking at myself in the mirror. And the scariest thing happened. I didn't see me. I didn't see that, that four-year-old Orly that dreamed of changing the world looking back at me. It was like she was gone, like somebody... Someone took her and I was like a shell of a person. I said to myself, I have no idea how I'm going to be able to pick myself back up. I mean, I've dug myself into, into such a deep hole, but I said, I cannot let this be my end. And it was in that moment, in that bathroom, looking at myself in the mirror at 15, that I made a promise to myself. It was a promise that guided me to the nonprofit work I do with my organization, Life Fest Inside, to spread kindness in the world. It's what guided me to creating Abraham's legacy. It's got what guides me every day to wake up in the morning. It was a promise to be there for people the way I wish somebody would have been there for me. And to see people the way I just wish somebody would have seen me. Because really in this world, that's all we want is to, is to be seen, is to be heard, to feel like we actually make a difference, like, like we matter. And we so much do matter. And those next couple of years of high school, I was sort of walking alone which is not easy to do, you know what I'm saying? It's hard to even walk across the lunchroom alone, but right. it gave me the chance to do something that we don't even get to do as adults. It gave me the chance to fall in love with me for me. And what I found is I found that voice that was in that four-year-old kid, but had no idea how to get out. And in my senior year, the beginning of my senior year, as we were on a seminar, we were on a Shabbaton and we were sitting in a circle and the teacher was talking about obstacles. And I did something that I never did before. Shy little Orly decided to raise her hand. And I had something to contribute to the conversation. But the crazy part is that these kids, kids that I used to be like so super intimidated from, were listening to me and coming to me afterwards and asking me for advice. What I found is that the more I gave, the more I healed. And the more I gave, the more I healed. And I realized that although I had always been a giver up until that point, I realized that there are two types of giving. And while I had always been a giver, my giving was coming from a place of weakness. It wasn't coming from a place of strength. It wasn't coming from a place of abundance. And it was only at that moment that I got to see that that person looking at the mirror is worth betting on. And suddenly everything shifted because when you come to love you for who you are and you can recognize and tap into that voice, suddenly you see each and every person for who they are, the value that they bring, that we're all in a sense like a piece of the puzzle, different shapes, different colors, but every single piece is same size.
each person bringing something unique into this world that nobody else can bring. And right. that's what led me on my journey. Yeah. You mentioned this difference between giving from weakness and giving from strength. Can you expand on yes. that a little bit? What do you mean by that? What's the difference between those two things? hundred percent. So I tell you, I know, I know it sounds crazy because, you know, there is a, a positive giving and there's a negative giving. And it sounds weird when you say giving is negative. What are you talking about? We've been taught our whole life to give, to give. What are you saying? So I'm going to try and explain this a bit. Now, giving from a place of strength comes from a sense of abundance. You understand your inherent value. You recognize your inherent value, that you have value simply because you have life inside of you. There's no extra people in this world. It's not like God said, oops, I created an extra one. Sorry about that. It was a mistake. There's no such thing. Every person is here for a very specific reason. Now, when you're giving from a place of strength and a place of abundance, you understand your value and your value isn't based on the validation of others. It's not based on people patting on the shoulder or how many followers you have on social media, or how many people like your picture, or how much money you have, or how popular you are, or how pretty you are. Those things don't matter. It's inherent in you. Now, when you come to understand it, when you're giving, you don't end up feeling depleted through giving because there's an abundance there. It's continuous. And so it's like a candle, I always say, right? A candle, the beautiful thing about a candle is it can light so many other candles, yet it still retains its flame. It does not lose its flame simply by giving to others. That is giving from a place of abundance. Giving from a place of weakness feels like sacrifice. Mm. It feels like you're being depleted. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You ever I know give exactly what you mean. or you do something or you went out of your way, right? And you end up feeling depleted afterwards. That's, that is a sign that your giving is not coming from the right place. And that doesn't mean that your giving is fake. It doesn't mean that you're fake. Okay. Sometimes people give from a place of weakness. Maybe it's through guilt, which is never a good place to give from. Okay. Maybe it's because they're trying to impress somebody. They're maybe trying to fill a void within themselves. They're maybe trying to be accepted. There are many reasons why people give from weakness. The thing is, only you know where your giving is coming from. The problem with giving from weakness, you know, is that if you give from weakness, eventually you're going to come to resent that same giving. What do yeah. I mean by that? You know how they say, you ever hear they say like the biggest heroes in the world are also have the potential to be the biggest villains? Yeah. You ever hear that? Yeah. It's an actual concept, right? Right. It's yeah, because I, I love it. This is very... one of my favorite concepts. It's that if something has like, let's say if we want to give something a potential and like on a scale of one to 100, if something has a scale for, let's say, zero being the worst and 100 being the best, if something has the potential to be a 95, then it also has the potential to be a negative 95. Like it can really swing exactly. in either direction. Because all of oh those same gosh, traits, exactly. yeah, all of those same traits that make someone able to put themselves out there and to, and to conquer the world and to, and to accelerate kindness and all of that can also make someone a really big pain in the ass. They're, they're the same things. It's just a matter of like how you, how you channel that energy. So yeah, I, it's, I hear where you're coming it's from. It's hundred percent right. And now if you're constantly giving, but you're always, but you're feeling taken advantage of, you're feeling like you're being depleted. You're going to start to turn to become like a cynic or you're going to become bitter and you're going to feel like, my gosh, I'm always giving and people are not, because when you give, when you're really giving from a place of abundance, you know, you're also, when you're giving from a place of abundance, you're not looking to ask the question of how am I going to end up receiving back? You know, how is that, how is this going to end up coming back to me? It's never good to do that. If you're giving because you're thinking that way, it's better not to give. But I always say that if giving feels like weakness, it feels like sacrifice, stop giving to everybody. Stop. 
And you know who you need to turn the giving on? You need to turn it on you. You need to turn it on you. Because if you are depleted, then you're not going to be able to help anybody else. It's the same concept, right? The life vest, right? What's the different? You know how they tell you when you go on a plane, right? They say, in case of an emergency, what do you do? Your mask you put before on others. You, and then you help the guy next to you. It sounds mean, like the airline, they're, they're disgusting people. But they understand that, you see, if you're going to drown, you're not going to help anybody. If a person doesn't see the value in themselves, you think they can see it in another person, honestly, is, is it really possible? If you don't recognize your value, if you don't love you, you think you're going to be able to love others in the full way? You know, people always talk about, oh, love your neighbor like you love yourself, right? I got to tell you, loving your neighbor is actually easy. Doing good for others, very easy. You know what the hard part is yourself. Is yeah. yourself. If we can simply empower people to understand their value, that they matter, and therefore their choices matter, people will likely make better choices. And then therefore kindness will flourish in the world. Unkindness only exists because there are so many people out there in this world that have a lack of self-value and self-worth. And so they end up turning to external things to fill a void that will never, ever fill it. Because the only person that can fill that void is you, is you thinking that you are enough. And that is the hardest challenge that we have as humanity. That is our hardest challenge, building that sense of confidence. And confidence isn't like a video game. It's not like, oh, I built it. Great, I got my confidence. I'm good to go through the rest of my life. No. It goes up, it goes down. And everyone in this world has insecurities. You could agree, right? I mean, we oh, all do. Sure. For we sure. all do. Even like the people that we follow and we think they have their whole lives together. They're the, ah, they're the best guy. They're, the, they're you know, miserable just like the rest media. of us. <laughs> all of us, we go through our days where we question our value, our worth. We have insecurities. It is a regular normal thing. Yeah. And you are, you are someone of a, something of a kindness expert, I would say. If I needed to think of someone who is a kindness expert, it would be you. Um, this, you know, <laughs> Life Fest Inside is honestly the freaking coolest thing ever. Um, and what, Thank you know, you so I, I got to know it through the TED Talk um, and also through uh, the video that you put out, The Kindness Boomerang. And when, how did uh, Life yeah. Fest Inside get started? How did that, you know, what, what made you, you know, start oh, that project? What, what year are we talking? T tell me the story of that because it's such a good one and I would love okay, for our so listeners there's so many, there's so many parts to this. Okay. Well, it, it, technically, okay. Technically I started life as inside fully, meaning I was working on it fully. I was a teacher. I was a middle school teacher for seven awesome years, left my job teaching in 2011, September, 2011 left to pursue this dream I had in my heart ever since I was a kid, right? To start an organization, to unify the world through the power of kindness. And it started with a short film. I did the one you spoke about kindness boomerang. Now I shot kindness boomerang on September 1st, 2010. But what most people don't know is that no one saw it. I did not post it. I did not show it to anybody until October of 2011. So I was no longer a teacher, September, 2011, October, 2011. I put it up online, put it up on YouTube, had no idea who would see it, how they'd see it. I knew nothing about marketing or social media. And within a month, the video went crazy viral. It's reached well over a hundred million people globally. It's like mind boggling to me. I don't understand it, but it started with a short film which is basically it's a five minute music video to Mati Siahu's song One Day. And it follows an act of kindness down the block as it goes from one person to the next, to the next. And then it boomerangs back to the person that set it into motion. Now I happen to have a background in film production and I went to, to college for film production. And during my summer from teaching, I said, I wanna be able to show people because the concepts of kindness, compassion, empathy, I mean, these were things I was implementing into my classroom on a daily basis. 
And so I said, I want to show people the ability that kindness has to go from one person to the next. So I sat down in my summer off. I was super nervous. I hadn't done film in seven years. Everyone that knew me was discouraging me. Like, what are you doing? What are you putting your money into this? Who do you think you're going to impact? You're crazy. You know, all that kind of stuff. And I sat down, I started writing little moments in my life, little kindness experiences that left an impression on me, little things. You know, the film doesn't show these tremendous, you know, acts. It's the small things that each and every one of us can do. I started writing them out on like little post-it notes and I had them all up on a wall. There was like 50 of them or hundred of them, it was crazy. I said, how cool if each one led to the next. And so I created this film. I'll never forget the morning of filming this. I was so nervous. I can't tell you. I was so nervous. And so many crazy things happened that day. That's a whole nother story. But bottom line is it was that film that really launched the entity. Now, even though I started Life Fest Inside, again, I started technically in 2011. 2010 is when I created the film. The, the name Life Fest Inside actually was a story that I told to my students. And that came about in 2009. And it happened on winter vacation. I was going away with my family, it was January, we were going away and we had a stopover as we were changing flights, right? And I was listening to my voice messages. At the time, there was a, a young girl in my community, six years old, okay, who was diagnosed with leukemia. I didn't know her personally, but I come from a very close knit community. Everybody was praying for her and everybody was sending positive thoughts. And so I'm listening to the voice messages and I get the news that she just passed away. I was like very much devastated, six-year-old girl. But the first thing I thought about was my seventh grade students back at home. You see, right before winter vacation, they opened up to me about something for the very first time. Three years prior, when they were just in fourth grade, just in fourth grade, they lost a classmate of theirs to the same exact illness. Fourth grade to lose a friend. And they start opening up to me and asking me questions that aren't easy to answer. And they're like, why do bad things happen to good people? Why does God do certain things? How do you answer these kinds of questions? And I just started to get through to them and to offer them a bit of comfort. So I said, what am I going to do when I get back home? I know that these kids are going to hear about what happened to the six-year-old girl. How am I going to be able to explain yet again how something so tragic and devastating happened? You know, I don't get it. God, what's up? How do you find the order in such a chaotic world? How... How do we stay afloat in a world that sometimes seems to be pulling us downward? And I get onto the plane, I had tears in my eyes and the stewardess put me in a seat that I wasn't supposed to be in. But like I said earlier, everything happens for a reason. So I sit down, I'm tearing, God, please, why? How do you stay afloat in this world? How? And I look to my left and right on the wall of the plane was the small sign that said on it three words that would change the course of my life. I didn't know it at the time. It said on it, life vest inside. So I looked at it and I looked up, I smiled. I said, okay, I got the message. What's, what's that concept here? What's a life vest? No matter how much you push down on it, it pops back up. And so the message I took was Orly, your life vest, your ability to stay afloat in this world that sometimes seems to be pulling you downward. Guess what? It's inside of you. It's through the kindness that you bestow on others and through the kindness that others bestow on us that we, we keep each other afloat in this world because we are not going to be able to stop the obstacles and the curveballs and the mishaps from coming our way. They're going to come and they're going to come when we least expect it. But what we have the power to do, what is in our ability to do is to throw somebody 
this little life vest, this little lifeline of kindness that even though they're surrounded by these, their troubles, they're surrounded by these raging waters, the difference between life and death is this little vest, the hope to know it's going to be okay. And when I got back from that trip, this was a story I told and continued to work on this concept of kindness and giving back as a means to empower us to understand our inherent value. Because kindness is the tool. The end goal is empowerment. If people really understood their power as an individual, what they have the ability to bring into this world, imagine the amount of progress we have, the innovation. If people were living them, their best selves, and instead of looking into other people's suitcases, instead of looking and seeing what does that guy have, what are his skills, what are his resources, what are his tools, to actually open up our own and take a peek inside, because it was packaged for us specifically with what we need to get to wherever we're meant to go. But do we take the time to look at it? Or are we constantly you know, just comparing ourselves with others and looking at this facade of what is social media? Now, I'm not bashing social media because there's a lot of good there. Without it, you and I wouldn't be connecting right now, right? It's very true. But at the end of the day, you know, we have to recognize we have value simply because we exist and that that greatest life is inside of us. And that's how it got started. You know, it started with that film that then turned into a global event called Dance for Kindness. We have a, a worldwide event. Um, it's a global flash mob that happens it's happened in well over 65 countries on an annual basis in at least 50 countries, 120 cities, completely volunteer run. People coming together to celebrate World Kindness Day to the same songs, same dance on the same day. It's absolutely incredible. And it started with a short film and a dream, a dream to want to bring people together. And from there, I mean, it's life us inside is involved in, in education and in developing and implementing curriculum in inspirational media, uh, technology, leadership training programs. But it all started with the dream to want to do something good and the ability to believe in your why. Because there is a lot of discouragement that I came across and a lot of failure and obstacles. But if you remember your why, it'll be able to help you overcome all of the adversity that comes your way, even when you want to throw in the towel. I have, I have a couple of follow-up questions. One is slightly tangential. How does one go from college and film production to becoming a teacher? <laughs> you know, I have very few people ask me this question. You're going to love this story. It's a crazy story. You know, I, I, so I went to, to college for film production in English. Okay. Okay. And I minored in math. I know okay. it sounds really crazy. Okay. That's not, now, not a, a usual combination, but sure. It's not a usual combination. I recognize right. it. I know. Now, when I graduated college, my film, my qualifying film, won the audience award at the, at the, at the film contest. Cool. And so it opened up a lot of doors for me. And I was going to be taking the following year to work on a feature film. Now, my family was super against me doing film. What are you doing? You know, Jewish girl from Brooklyn, you're doing film. What do you think you're doing with your life? Are you crazy? You know, all the craziness. All the things. <laughs> all the things. All the things. I said, listen, you know, I really want to give over a message. Film is about communication. Anyways, what happened was I got approached by the school. Now, I always loved teaching. And I remember I actually announced it on the day that I won that, that, that uh, film prize. I said, I want to make a film that's going to reach the world. I said it out loud. And then I'm going to go into teaching because I love kids and I love teaching. You know, so basically the school called me up and they said, uh, we want you to be the coach of the basketball team. And I happened to be playing basketball my whole life ever since I could carry a ball. And I said, yes, awesome. And I figured this is actually a really good step because I'm getting my foot into the door in the school, even though it's not a teacher, but still, 
And so then I said, you know what? I'm going to call them up and ask them, listen, me as a substitute teacher. I love, I'd love to teach math. Whenever you need a teacher, you know, call me up. What happens on my birthday, the beginning of the year, I just had graduated college. I get a phone call from the secretary in the middle school. Hi, Orlia, you know, we want to know whether you're interested in teaching six classes, six different preps for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Said, That's not a substitute. <laughs> I'm sorry, what, what just happened? What happened? Listen to the craziness of what took place. My cousin at the time was 13 years old. He was in eighth grade and he's in the office. As the rabbi was saying, my God, what are we going to do? There's a teacher. She's going on maternity leave. How are we going to do this? Da, da, da. So my cousin said, Rabbi, call my cousin Orly. I was, I was always tutoring, you know, I was tutoring BJE and I was always tutoring, you know, throughout, uh, right. throughout um, you know, college and stuff. So they called me up and I was so scared. I had never, I had never taught before. I didn't go to school for teaching even. So I said, yes. I'll never forget the first day coming in. Imagine I'm 21 years old. There are these 13 year old kids that I'm teaching. I was scared <laughs> out of my mind, out of my mind. And it was incredible. I was teaching them for six weeks. And after that, there was another teacher that was out for like a couple of weeks that turned into four months. I was doing everything from, you know, report cards to parent teachers, so on and so forth. I loved it. The kids loved me. They loved me. And then they offered me a full-time teaching job the following year, which I took on. And I started directing the, the theater productions in the school because I have a background also in theater. So it was, it just sort of, you know, when everything happens exactly as it needs to happen. And it turns out, that I didn't end up doing that feature film. I ended up being that I ended up going into teaching first, and then I created a film that reached the world. Right. I just didn't know it at the time. But at least the idea is you have to proclaim what you want, because by the way, proclaiming what you want is actually really important to bringing it into your life. But it was a crazy story. I mean, that, that, that doesn't happen, these kinds yeah, of things. That's, I, knew there, I knew there had to be something there, because they're two, they're, they're two such completely yeah, different and opposite things. So when you did decide to leave <laughs> teaching and work on Life Fest Inside you know, all at once, was that kind of bittersweet? Was it really exciting because you had this new venture? Was it, what was that transition like? Uh, so that's also a good question. It wasn't meant to be a transition as it was. It was supposed to be a one-year trial. I wanted to take a year off to pursue this dream that I had to see what would happen if I put my all into this dream. Cause lots of us have dreams, but we don't necessarily pursue them. What do we like to do with dreams? You know, what people love to do with their dreams. They love to take them. They take them, they package them up. They put them on a pedestal and they look at them. Wow. That's the dream. Why? Because in years from now, right, we all say that coulda, the shoulda, the wouldas, but it's much scarier to pursue a dream because the moment you pursue it, there's a chance that you might fail, that it might not actually come into fruition which is scary. I said, what I, I said, if I believe in this enough, I got to go all in. And I needed to take that time off. I needed to take that year off. I believe, first of all, that all teachers, as something I believe, after seven years of teaching, every teacher should take a year off. Why? Because the only people that should be teachers are people that love kids and love teaching. And you need to be able to take these, these breaks. So I said, I'm taking a year off and I'm going to put my all into this dream. I had full intention of coming back to teach. I had no idea I wasn't going to, you know, and nobody believed that I was leaving. I was like that, that crazy teacher that was, you know, doing all these fun things with the kids in school. I loved my job. And the film went viral within the first month of me not teaching. It was crazy. And things ended up taking off and I decided to make it a life choice. And it's been incredible. So I'm still teaching, not in the same way, but there isn't a day that I don't miss my students. Honestly, to be honest, there is no greater feeling than being in a classroom and connecting with kids. And 
because for, for me, teaching was about helping my students see the beauty in themselves so they could begin to see it in others, you know, uh, and lifting them up. I, I mean, I love that. But Life Essence Inside has also given me that opportunity in a different way. But it's, it's been an, an incredible journey, I have to say. Yeah, that's and and it's, you know, there's this misconception that teachers exist in a classroom or influencers or people who have, you know, X amount of followers or more. And the truth is that in everything that we do, we are teaching the people around us, we're affecting the people 100%. around us. And there's and there's real power in that. And what you're doing with Life Fest Inside is honestly just freaking awesome. And it's very it's a very cool, it's a very cool way to be approaching everyone. Everyone says, you know, be kind, be nice, be um, you know, be good to the people around you. And the way that you concretized it and said, you know, these are the things that you can do to affect the people around you in a positive way. And also to make yourself feel better is a really, really unique way of, of approaching it. We actually connected. Yeah. yeah, We actually connected because you reached out to me and said that you had this whole new project happening, um, (laughs) which is, I mean, in, in all of your spare time, I'm sure, um, which is (laughs) called Abraham's legacy, which is this really unique way of approaching Tehillim, which is Psalms, which, you know, a lot of people will turn to, uh, the words of David Amelech of King David in times of, in less than ideal circumstances. And the way that you've, you know, it's, we're very, you know, if, if you grew up in the Orthodox community, if you grew up in, the, in a Jewish community, then you're very familiar with, you know, with saying Tehillim and, and split and splitting it up. And, you know, you, you take, I know that when my grandfather was sick, we, each family member took a different Perak and every day we went through yeah. the whole thing and like, everyone does these things. It's a, it's a very kind of integral part of our, our prayer and how we, um, and how we talk to God. And you have compl- this, this app is also, it's, unbelievable. And can, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what the app is, what it does and how it started? A hundred percent. So the app itself, so it's called Abraham's legacy for two reasons. And one of them is Abraham, even though King David is the one that wrote most of the chapters of Psalms, Abraham is the one that brought the oneness of God into the world. And so, and that is exactly what, what, you know, prayer is about and Tehillim specifically, it's really a dialogue. You're having a dialogue. You're having a conversation. And so in addition, also Abraham is the name of my grandfather. And this was made, uh, this was made in his memory. Uh, and I'll explain to you the story about how that actually came to be. So this is a complete Lashem Shemaim project that um, I created for him. The way that it works, there are several features here. Now, you know, let's say, for example, you have a couple minutes and you want to, you know, maybe say a chapter of Tehillim. Of course, you could take out, you know, an app that you might have of Tehillim, or you could take out a book and read one chapter. Fantastic. But there's a tremendous power that comes in the completion of a book. Now, yes, in today's world, what a lot of people doing, they start a WhatsApp group, right? You start a WhatsApp group, you got 250 people on this WhatsApp group, people start writing numbers because there are 150 chapters in Tehillim. So somebody writes one, the next guy writes two, the next guy writes three. What do people have to do? They have to go out of WhatsApp, go into either an app or take out a Tehillim book, find their chapter and read it. This is the most inefficient, crazy kind of way that we're reading Tehillim. Not only that, guys, we're inundated with messages on WhatsApp, please. It's Mm. crazy how many messages we get. And then people add you to the group. Who wants to leave a Tehillim group for somebody that's sick? It's like the worst thing. It tells everybody, this person left. No, People are like, oh my God, I don't want to be that guy. Who wants to be the guy that leaves? Nobody wants to be that guy. So it's, we become inundated with all these messages and it's just so not an efficient way. So there has to be a better way. And that's exactly what Abraham's legacy is about. There are two main features. When you come into the app, 
there is the global read. So let's say you have a couple minutes. All you do, you click on the big start reading button in the middle and it generates for you the next chapter in the global count. What do I mean by that? So there's 150 chapters. So let's say the global counts up to chapter 50 and then you clicked, you got 51. I clicked, I get 52. And the app through the algorithm knows whether you finished the chapter or not. And if you didn't, or you timed out or somebody called you, you had to run into a meeting and you didn't finish reading it, it will redistribute your chapter to somebody else. But the cool thing is that in real time, in real time, you could see how many people are reading with you in that minute from how many countries, how many books are completed, how many chapters are read. And you could change the language. That platform itself is in Hebrew, English, Spanish, and French. And the book itself is also in those languages. Plus, it's also transliterated in case somebody wants to read it that way. And you have the ability to keep track. You have your own profile that shows you how many chapters you've read. And now, if you take one minute a day to read one chapter, you're part of finishing a book because we finish tens of books a day on the global read. In addition, you have the circle. The circle is like the WhatsApp group, but much better. So much better. First of all, number one, it doesn't tell people when you leave. That was, I made sure of that. That was a very important thing. Politics two, of leaving a WhatsApp okay, group are come, not to be trifled with. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, it is. No, it's a problem. It is a it problem. Really Someone's got to message them. That has to go. <laughs> has to go. So now here you go. You could create a circle. You could add as many people as you want. It could be tons, as many, more than 250. You could add as many people as you want. And every single circle has its own individualized link that when you share it, People click and they automatically join your circle. And it has the same count, it has the big circle, you click it and it shows how many chapters have been read, books completed, people reading, the category that you're praying for, who you're praying for, even a bio about them if you wanna add. And you could even chat with the members of your circle to update them on how the person is doing or how they're feeling. In addition, you have a leaderboard, which I love. Some people don't necessarily don't like that and they can hide their profile if they don't wanna see it but it shows you who's read the most daily and weekly, which is really, really cool. So there's the leaderboard within each circle. You could have as many circles as you want. And then there's the global leaderboard. Uh, there are other features on the app as well, where you could put in, we have verses by name, where you could put in the name of a person and it'll generate chapters to read based on their name. You could have settings of you know creating a, a daily reminder for you. And there are other ways that I'm looking to open this up, creating short form lessons on every single peric, showing you how you can apply that specific chapter into your life. What I love about Tehillim, see, they say when you pray, you're talking to God. And when you learn, when you learn Torah, God is talking to you through the words. But you know what I love about Tehillim? It's both. It's the only time you have a dialogue where it's a prayer and it's a limud. It's a prayer and it's a study that as you're speaking, your answers are coming to you. You know, it's amazing, David Amelech, that was, you know, wrote most of the, the Prakim of Tilim, wrote them during some of the most difficult, difficult times of his life. And he's singing praises, you know, and he shares the difficult times. Think about today's world, you know, on, on social media, nobody shares their bad days. Everyone, oh, Shay, the, the beautiful, uh, you know, touched up picture and the thing. But when you're, when you're connecting with somebody that's sharing what they're experiencing, we see ourselves in Tilim. It's an expression of the everyday person, our, our ups, our downs, our hopes, our longing, our desires, our wishes. And that is what makes it so beautiful. But like I said, the power comes in the completion. And now through Abraham's legacy, you can literally connect the whole world. You know, I remember last year on Passover, uh, Yaakov Shweki did an event, right? And at the end of his event, he showed the video in seconds 
there were 750 people on in real time from 22 countries. Wow. And 22 books were completed in minutes. Wow. Like that. That's the power. And you see, wow, look at how many people are on from the connecting, unifying everybody. Now, the passion for this, and again, this is a free app. It will always be a free app. I created this to memory my grandfather. It's available on iOS. It's available on Android. And hopefully, God willing, it'll be available as a web, website application as well. Um, back in 2014, it was Passover, and my grandfather fell and broke his hip. So when you told me this, when you just mentioned about your grandfather, it made me think about, you know. Right. He fell and he broke his hip. Now, when you're older and you break your hip, you know, he had heart problems also. So it, it was sort of it was like this domino effect of different issues that started to come about where months later we ended up losing him. But the, when he first fell, we thought we lost him right there, which was a huge shock to the family. And so we naturally gathered together and we split up the book of Tehillim, everyone taking a specific amount of chapters each day to read so that we would complete it every day. And I was tasked with making sure that everybody read their chapters. But I was worried. What if somebody forgot they didn't read? Who's going to be the guy to say, oh, by the way, I forgot to read for grandpa? Who wants to be right. that guy? Nobody. So I was very worried it wouldn't be completed. So what I did is silently on the side to myself, I decided to take on reading the full book every single day. And I did this for months. Wow. The whole book. Of how long did you, how long did it take you to go through the whole thing? It's funny. It took me longer in the beginning, but I can't, I, I, um, I came down to about two hours, even, even like somewhere between an hour 45 to two hours, which is pretty, pretty intense. That's but yeah. yeah it, could, it could take people, it could take people three hours and up and upwards. Right. Um, and I was reading it every day. And I got to tell you the miracles I saw during this time were crazy. I had a dream. I know it sounds crazy about this app. Within two weeks of doing this, I woke up and I told it just to my mom. I had no idea how I was going to do it. I don't have a background in technology. I didn't have any money to be able to give to this. All my money was in life vest inside. I mean, I was a full-time volunteer. How am I going to do this? And I drew it out. It's funny because I stumbled on my drawings from when I first had the idea. And I looked at them and I'm like, oh my God, it's exactly the app. It's the scariest thing. You know, seeing a dream that you had actually come into fruition. And I said, I got to make this happen. And it's not just going to be with Tehillim. Eventually, I'm going to be incorporating other books as well, uh, like Mishnayot and other things, so on and so forth. And it was one night, they called us up and they said, guys, you have to rush over to the hospital. The time has come. This was early on in these months. And I, we all ran over. We were destroyed, I mean, really destroyed. And I grabbed my Tehillim book and I stood by his bedside and I started praying with every ounce of my power and I'm praying and pray. I'm standing by his side. I'm holding his hand. I'm praying and I'm praying and I get up to chapter 118 verse 17 and it says Lo amut ki which means don't die live and I will recount the, your glories and I wouldn't leave this pasuk. I kept saying it over and over again. I said, Hashem, I'm not going to stop saying this line until he's okay. I am not going to leave this alone. Please don't let him die. Please, please let him live. And I promise you, I promise you, I will make sure to tell this story. Thank God he made it through that night. And we had him for another few months so that we could really say our proper goodbyes. And when he passed, a lot of people could say, Orly, you know what? Your prayers, they didn't work. He passed. They didn't work. It's not true. I realized something. 
when we were, after he passed, I found his uh, talit bag and I opened it up and inside was a Tehillim book. And I took the Tehillim book out and there was a bookmark in it. And I opened it up to the bookmark and the bookmark was on a specific verse. Lo amut ki I will not die, I will live so that you can recount my glories. And I realized that even though his body is not here, his soul is very much alive and well. And I took it upon myself to say, I must bring this app, Abraham's legacy, after my grandfather, into fruition. I must. I didn't know how. I didn't have the money to do it. I didn't know. But thank God I was finally able to put it into fruition through other crazy miracles that took place. And it got released about a year and a half ago. And it's, it's been incredible to see it grow. And I have so many more hopes and dreams for it. But just goes to show you that if there's a will, there is a way. And our prayers, our prayers are always answered. Sometimes we don't get the response that we want. But we have to look inside the words. There is an answer there for us. We just have to make sure we're there, that we have our glasses on properly to see what those answers are. To really interpret properly shift our perspective to see what are we really being told? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, it's, it's a really powerful thing. And it's, you know, to, to, to bring these things to light is, is a really special thing to be able to do. One of my favorite parts of the app is the by category feature. Cause I think that a uh, lot yes. of times we don't, you know, we, you know, we can, you know, if you're having, let's say a financial difficulty, you can say, you know, you know, dear God, let me just make the rent. Let me just make the rent. Let me make the rent. I need to make the rent. Please just let me make the rent. And when you, you know, that's, that's powerful in its own right. And that personal prayer is great, but, um, but there are, you know, there are, there are specific prayers. There are specific chapters of Tehillim that we know we can use for, you know, when we need, when we're having financial problems, when we're having family problems, when we're, you know, when you're, you're just happy and want to say, thanks, there are all sorts of, um, of, of Pirakim that have been delineated for those purposes. And what the app does is that you can kind of select a category and there are tons of different, you know, for health, for happiness, for, um, for uh, Parnassah and all of that, that, and then you can kind of be generated the, the, the Prakim that fit in that specific exactly. uh, category, which is a very cool feature. Yeah, you could see it broken down by different ways on the side menu. We have it broken down by book or by chapters or by week, uh, you know, and like you said, by category. And people also can dedicate a chapter to a loved one, meaning if you dedicate a chapter to a loved one, their name, let's say you say, you know what, I want, you know, Perek Kaf. I want that chapter for this person, whether it be, you know, that they've already passed or for their Rufu'ah or for, you know, people to find their, their Zivug or whatever it is. And their name will appear on everyone. We have over 8,000 8, users currently on the app. It will appear on everyone's chapter. Anytime people get to that chapter, and there are tens and tens of books being completed on a daily basis through the app, their name will, be, will appear there. And it's, an, it's a great way to, to lift up and to, to, you know, to bring merit to a person. Is, it, um, is there a charge for dedicating a chapter to someone? So it is, it's a, it's a donation because like I said, the app is completely a L'Shem Shemaim project. Uh, I mean, I'm funding this app uh, on my own, but it's a lot of work and especially where I'm looking to develop it further. So it's a non, it's a completely a tax deductible donation. And when you're on the app on the side menu, you'll see it says sponsor a loved one. And then you can click to sponsor a loved one, whether it be for the week, whether it be for the month. 
uh, and then you make a donation there and then their name will appear on that specific chapter across all platforms. That is really, really special. I'm, I'm so glad that we connected early. I'm so glad that you reached out because- Oh, same here. I love us- your energy. You have such an awesome energy. I got to tell you. Thank you. And I, I really love that. it. Thank you. If somebody wants to learn more about you or uh, see more about Life Fest Insider, Abraham's legacy, where can they go? So if you want to learn more about Life Fest Inside and get involved, we have loads of stuff going on there. We have a daily newsletter that goes out and uh, have a book also called Kindness Boomerang showing you all the 365 days of the year and act a quote in a short reflection. You could go onto lifefestinside.com. There you'll be able to connect to all the different initiatives that we have going on. You could also follow us on social media. It's all at lifefestinside.com. I highly recommend checking out our YouTube channel. We have loads of amazing, inspirational uh, kindness content there. And for Abraham's Legacy, you could go to abrahamslegacy.com. You'll have the links there to download the free app, whether it be for iOS or for Android, or you could just go into uh, the App Store, Google Play, and search Abraham's Legacy. You'll see it. You could download the app and join us. And we're also on Instagram and on Facebook for Abraham's Legacy. We post up uh, inspiring content based on Tihilim. That is Fantastic. The last thing that I want to ask you, Orly, is what I ask everyone who comes on the show, and that is to you, Orly Waba, what does it mean to make an impact? To me, making an impact, I would say, again, I, really, this it always comes down to this for me. It's so funny. You have to start by seeing the beauty in yourself. You must. Once you see the beauty in yourself, you will see it in others. Once you love yourself, you're then opened and free. You have the freedom to embrace others for who they are. And that, in my opinion, makes the greatest impact because this life is about, it's not about, again, the animosity, the strife. It's about recognizing that we each have our story. We each have our direction that we go down in our life. There's no such thing as one person is this and one person is that. We need to be able to embrace people for who they are. And the only way that we can do that is if we first start off by embracing ourselves for who we are. That is so true and so fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on today, Worley. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Orly, her links are in the show notes. There you'll also find links to the most perfect pleated skirt, the most comfortable mask, and how to sign up to get yourself some lovely perks. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art or going to impactfashionnyc.com. If you'd like to apply to advertise on the Be Impactful podcast, please send me an email at rifki at impactfashionnyc.com. To hear more episodes, be sure to subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review or a quick rating. They make my day. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together. <laughs>